here and it's good to have our folks online visiting with us and worshiping with us. We want you to know we're always here for you. So if there's something we can do for you, please let us know. And that's that goes for everyone here as well. We want you to know this church isn't just uh, a meeting together on certain times on certain days. We're always a church and we're always here for you if we can help you in any way. I want to thank everybody for all of their help in uh uh, take leading off and pulling off the back to school bash yesterday people worked so hard and did a great job in so many different ways and we had uh, we had we had helpers we had watermelon we had slides we had a train a food truck we had a little bit of rain we had we had guests come and uh, that was nice to meet people from the community and we're so very glad to have those folks and uh, you did a great job connecting with people, inviting people, and uh, so we, we, uh, we did, I think, a great job with the rain and people concerned about the weather. I think we did a great job pulling that off and connecting with the community, letting the community know we're here for them, we welcome them, and we're a welcoming church and invite them to come. And so I think that was a, a wonderful thing. And students, we encourage you, as some of you have already started school and some of you start this week, we want to encourage you this week and we're praying for you, we care about you, and uh, we want you to know we support you and we're here for you. And this is a great opportunity to kind of that fresh start for the new year, to live more boldly in your faith, uh, be more devoted to God, to grow spiritually, and so we want you to know we, we care about you and we support you. And we're talking about spiritual growth this morning as we finish out this uh, four-part series we've been doing called Because of the Gospel. Now, I want to ask you something, though. Do you remember when you were small, and some of you are there right now, when you were small and you, you couldn't do a lot of things? You couldn't, you couldn't open jars real well. You couldn't, you couldn't reach everywhere. You couldn't do a lot of things that big people could do. Do you remember being in that spot? Your feet didn't even touch the floor every time you sat down. You know, I remember my mom uh, took us to Brookshire's one time, the one on 69, and uh, she told me, I was real little, she told me to get a watermelon, and at that time they kept them on the bottom shelf. And uh, so I knew this watermelon was too big for me. I picked up this watermelon, and I was supposed to carry this watermelon around the whole store while we shopped. And what do you think happened? <laughs> of course, I dropped it, and that watermelon busted and went everywhere. And guess what? Back then, you had to pay for stuff if you broke it. And so then I got in trouble for busting the watermelon. So it was a great day. It was a great day. <laughs> Wonderful day. But, uh, you know, I was too little to be carrying around a big old watermelon throughout the store. You know, I remember going to Wyatt's Cafeteria. Y'all remember Wyatt's Cafeteria? And uh, it was, it was kind of like the traditions. Traditions is more upscale, but it was that concept, the cafeteria style. And I remember being so little, and you see the square jello just shaking there and all the colors and the desserts, and I just couldn't reach them. And that was a good thing, probably. I couldn't get my hands on, on all of that. But, uh, you know, what, what is the one thing that makes a difference in all of that and being able to do those tasks? There's one thing that, that enables you to do all of those tasks. 
growing up, right? As I grew up, I was able to carry a watermelon to get food off a cafeteria aisle. I remember not being able to hammer because a hammer was too heavy. Not be able to start a lawnmower because it didn't seem like that cord went very far and I, I couldn't push the lawnmower. And, and now I can do all of those things. And all it takes is growing up, maturing, right? And then all of a sudden you can do all of these things that you wish you didn't have to do, but grown-ups have to do, right? Well, the same is true for our faith. Put simply, we've got to grow up in, in our faith, don't we? We have to mature spiritually. That's part of being a Christian. And so I've been saying throughout this series that it's because of the gospel, John 3.16, that we live out these two core teachings of Jesus, the great commandment and the great commission. And so then we're going to look at, we're going to take that to the last point today and, and to say, well, how do we do that? What, what can maybe help us to know what that looks like? And I want to look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 today and, and because I think that it really helps us figure out how does this look and work in a church? How, as an individual Christian and as a church family, do we grow in our faith? Do we mature spiritually? And so I want us to spend some time looking at that today. And remember, this is motivated by because of the gospel, we do these things. So because of the gospel, we grow spiritually. Because of the gospel, I want to mature in my faith. I want to be more mature spiritually next year than I am this year. And, and we've said that these two core teachings of loving God with all of my being and loving my neighbor as myself and uh, making and growing disciples, the Great Commission, those, are that, those two core ways in which I can grow. And I think Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is going to help us see a little bit more uh, tangible ways of how to or what this looks like in a church, how a church can go about doing this. So let's read this together Ephesians 4 follow along with me uh, 11 through 16 and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, but by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head that into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now let's just walk through uh, each verse and say a few things about it, and then we'll look at some other things. But in verse 11, we learn that Jesus has given these roles, these particular roles, to the church for the point of equipping the church for ministry. Okay. Now, certainly, there are many other roles that we could talk about. But in this passage, God wanted to talk about some particular roles that are involved in equipping and maturing the church uh, that he wanted to point out. So the first we see are the apostles and the prophets. Okay. Now, the apostles is referring to the 12 apostles that Jesus appointed in the New Testament. Now, those those men are no longer living. The apostles 
ceased then. There are no more apostles after they passed away. There were no more. There are no present-day, modern-day apostles. Now, did you know there were also New Testament prophets? When we hear prophets, we think of the Old Testament prophets, right? We don't think much of the New Testament prophets. They're not really referred to a lot. They're not made a big deal of in Scripture. But there are New Testament prophets. And they simply were people, faithful disciples, that God designated to be able to uh, prophesy, and that is give a word of encouragement, a message from God uh, in the New Testament church. And all of that, the apostles and prophets, had to do with the establishment of, that, that initial establishment of the Lord's church. Now, um, the prophets also ceased. They're no longer, once they passed away, there are no more prophets today. That was a special role. Now, of course, nothing they said would be in, in conflict with the word of God or the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. So it would be whatever uh, God wanted them to say. Now, there's, there, we don't want to spend too much time here. It is an interesting study. But 1 Corinthians 14, verses 3 and 24 and 25 give us a, a good summary of what the role of these New, Pro New Testament prophets were. And essentially, uh, they were to give words of encouragement, uh, words of uh, comfort, to evangelize, and they helped leading in worship. Okay? And again, the New Testament doesn't really make a big deal of them, but we do see, see these New Testament prophets as we read the, the New Testament. Now again, those two roles have ceased. So what we have left in the roles that Paul is talking about this, in this passage is the evangelists, and then he says the shepherds and teachers. These roles still exist today in the church to help in the equipping of the church, okay? Now the evangelists are, are simply those who are the designated ones, not to mean that others do not, but those that are designated to proclaim the word of God. So in the church today, that would be, Kinley and I would be in that role. And then we see, and I thought this was really interesting. I, I, I had not seen this before. The next phrase, uh, the shepherds and teachers. Do you see that in verse 11 of Ephesians 4? Where it says, yours may say the pastors and teachers. Now, I always thought that that was talking about elders over here and all of your teachers over here. Two different distinct roles. That makes sense. That's how we think of that, those words, teachers, shepherds, pastors, elder, overseer, bishop. That's all the same role, that elder in the church, that shepherd or pastor. See, I, I, Kenley and I are not pastors because we are not elders. Now, Brother Greg Melton at Highway 36 Church of Christ in Abilene, he is their preacher, their evangelist, and he is also an elder, so you could correctly call him a pastor, but, but a kinley and I are not because we are not elders or shepherds. And that word pastor simply means elder, shepherd, shepherd, bishop, overseer, that role. Okay, now, but what Paul is doing here, God through Paul, is these are the, these two functions are in the same role of the elder. And the Greek construction there, when he says the shepherds and teachers, when he says the word and uh, in, in the way that the Greek works, 
the, 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 the teacher highlights or is accentuating the shepherd there. So what he's saying is the teaching pastors. That's what he's saying. The teaching shepherds, the teaching elders. So he's not dissing teachers in the Bible classes. What he's doing is he's highlighting and he's pointing to and showing the importance of pastor teachers, teaching elders, teaching shepherds. Now, isn't that an important role in the Lord's church? Elders who teach, because sometimes we get it mixed up and we think elders are supposed to be businessmen. They're the politicians in the community. They're the, the wheelers and dealers. They're the big wigs. They're the people that have the money, the power, the popularity, the position. And what we, that's not what we see in the New Testament. Now, if they have that, there's no problem with that. But what, what Paul is pointing out right here in the role of elders is, is in the equipping of the church. And at the beginning of chapter 4, remember, he was just talking about the unity of, of the spirit, this unity in the church. And now he's talking about this equipping and growing of the church. And what is needed at the head, at the leadership of that local congregation, but teaching shepherds. Remember, Paul talked about in 1 Timothy 3 about elders being apt to teach. So those elders being able to teach and impart and share and help people grow in the word of God. What an important part of the work of the elder. So I think that is really neat how, uh, how Paul brings that out to us here in this passage. Now, what we also see is that what are they to do, the evangelists and the shepherd teachers, what are they to do? Paul says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, well, why do you do it? Now let's ask some questions to Paul as we walk through the things that he's saying. Well, well, Paul, why are the elders and the evangelists supposed to equip the saints for the work of ministry? For the building up of the body of Christ. When you equip the members, when you equip and teach uh, the saints, then you are building up the body of Christ. How do you build up the body of Christ? By equipping the saints. Do you see that? Who does that? The evangelists and the elders. How do they do that? Through proclaiming and teaching the word of God. Now, it certainly does not diminish the importance of all of our Bible class teachers and the need for them. They're greatly, greatly important in all of our other roles. Now, then we can ask the question in verse 13, well, Paul, how long do we do this? Do we just do it for the rest of the quarter, the rest of the year? Do we do it for the next decade? How long do we continue to do this? And he tells us in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's how long you do this. So, so let me ask, do we ever get done doing that? We never finish, do we? The work of, of God, the work of the church, equipping the saints and growing the church never ends. Why? Because all of us always have some growing and maturing to do. And, and so then we can ask, well, Paul, why do we do it that long? Why, why do we have to keep on doing it? Why is it that we never fully arrive? And he answers us in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now, notice that in verse 13, Paul uses the phrase to mature manhood, okay? This maturity, this idea of uh, uh, spiritual, spiritual growth. Now, in verse 14, he uses what? 
no longer children. You see the contrast there? Manhood and children, mature and not mature, not yet mature, okay? Now he's also, when talking about the children, being tossed to and fro. What's that an illustration of? Children, what he's saying, he's kind of giving us this word picture of children out in a boat, trying to steer this boat out in the sea. Now the waves are coming, the wind is coming, and children are trying to navigate this ship. That's going to be a hard thing to do, isn't it? And so Paul is concerned that if we only stay as children in our faith, then the problem is we're going to be susceptible to false doctrine, deceitful schemes, of the, you know, deceitful teaching, all those kinds of things. And so we have to grow and mature spiritually in our faith. And so he's helping us to see this. His concern is for the young Christians. And so you, you should always have young Christians. That doesn't mean young children. It could be a 70-year-old brand-new Christian. But you're always going to should have new Christians. And guess what? Your job of equipping never ends. And just because somebody's been a Christian for 50 years doesn't mean they've arrived. Your job of equipping never ends. The job of growth never ends. Now, okay, then Paul, verse 15, how do we do it? How do we do it? And he tells us in verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love. Rather speaking the truth in love on our next slide. So teaching is a major part of the work of the church. As we looked at, the evangelists and the elders are supposed to be ensuring that the church is well fed in the word of God. And so, as I've said naturally, our teachers all they do is they greatly assist in that area. So then look at verse number 15 in Ephesians chapter 4. What are we expected to do? What are we expected to do? All of us, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. Do you see that? What am I supposed to do as a Christian? What am I supposed to do as a church member? It doesn't matter what my role is, what my function is. Maybe I don't have any of those. I just, I just hear, and I love being here. And what am I supposed to do? Paul says we're supposed to grow up, to mature in him, into him who is the head, head of the church. Now, what does this look like? Verse 16, we keep asking these questions to Paul and let him answer us. What does it look like? The whole body, that's all of us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. So that means I've got a responsibility in the church to you to help this church grow. And we don't mean merely numbers because I think that can be superficial. I don't think the goal is how big can we get? Now, is being big wrong? Is that a sin? No, not at all. But it should be a byproduct of us living out the great commission and the great commandment and us maturing spiritually. And if we do that, then what are we doing? We're sharing the gospel with others. We're loving the, our neighbor as ourselves, and people are coming to Christ, and that's how you grow. Okay, that, so we see, that, we see that there as well. Now, what happens, I just was pointing to this, what happens when we do these things, Paul? Verse 16, that makes the body grow so that it builds, look at the words here, the body builds itself up in love. Do you see that? How does the church grow? Paul just told us how the church grows. How do you grow a church? The body builds itself up. Well, how do you do that, Paul? In love. Well, what love are you talking about? 
Well, we studied about that over there in the Great Commission, Great Commandment, didn't we? Love the Lord your God with what? All. All of your being, every bit of you, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the love that the church uses to grow itself up by living out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The body of Christ can only be built up when the individual members are growing and maturing uh, themselves. So here's look at some other things. How can a church, how can, how can I grow and help the church grow? That's what we want to look at. How can I grow personally? How can I make this personal? What can I do to grow and help the church grow? I want to give you a, a few uh, illustrations here. Bib and apron. Bib and apron. All right, now what do we use a bib for? We put bibs on, on babies. Sometimes maybe some guys need some bibs. When you're sitting on the couch watching you watching the game and you got that bowl of ice cream, you probably ought to, or that hot pizza, but we put a bib on to, to catch that food so it doesn't get on your clothes, right? Use it to wipe the mouth, that sort of thing. And what do we use an apron for? You usually put an apron on if you're, if you're serving food, you're washing dishes, you're doing that kind of thing, right? Now, now two different people wear those things. Babies, infants wear the bibs, and grown-ups wear the aprons, right? Well, in our, in our new member and new Christian class, we used to, we'd talk about these, and we would say, the uh, way we used to say it was, at some point you've got to take off the bib and put on the apron. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Now, you've got to take off the bib, in other words, uh, being spiritually fed, when we talk about in the church, and it's time for you to serve. But then somebody raised their hand and said, you know what, but you never stop uh, you're, you never stop your need for being spiritually fed. You always need to be spiritually fed. So we started saying, you need to put on both a bib and an apron. You need to recognize your need to be spiritually fed, and you need to put that apron on and do something. You see that? To serve. All right? Now, the next one is, on our next one, pointing a finger or raising a hand. Now, which is easier to do? One of them comes with some commitment, or can, can it? It's easier to do this, right? Those elders, that deacon, that youth minister, that preacher, that teacher, that so-and-so, see, it's easy to do this. And I don't have any obligation. I, see, I just solved the problem because I pointed it out. Well, that doesn't really do any good sometimes. What we've got to do is raise our hand. There's a difference. See, when I raise my hand, I'm saying, Hey, I've noticed this. Is there something I can do to help? Or is there something we can do that somebody can do to help in this area? See, it's a different, it's a different attitude. It's a different mentality. Now, I'm not saying if you point something out, that means you got to do it. You know, because then that would prevent people from volunteering to do something. I'm not saying that. But it's a difference between, see, there's a problem. There's a fault. And raising your hand and saying, is there something I can do to help with that? Joyce and I have known some people over the years who pointed a finger and complained about some things that were some ministries in the church and that sort of thing where there clearly was some needs for improvement. But knowing those people, I believe God had brought those people to us to do that very thing that they were pointing to as a problem. Like they were uniquely gifted to make that thing what it ought to be. But all they wanted to do was point a finger. And they never did get their hands dirty 
and help out. And so there's a difference there. Now, the next one is finding or building. Finding or building. Now, it's just our natural tendency. We want to walk. It Wouldn't it just be ideal if I could walk into a church and everything is personally customized for me? The, all the Bible classes exactly the way I like them, the subjects I want, the songs are my favorite songs always, the sermons are the exact perfect length on the exact perfect topic, all the people are exactly perfectly friendly but not too friendly, and all of that stuff, everything is just the way I like it. Does that church exist anywhere? You will not find that church anywhere, will you? There's a difference between wanting to walk. See, we're so used to in our country wanting everything customized and personally tailored to us. You can order whatever you want, and that, you can get an app that you can stand in front of it and turn around, and it will measure you and mail you a suit that fits you or a shirt or whatever, all kinds of stuff. We want everything customized and tailored. I'm not saying that's bad, but... There's a difference between trying to find a place that everything and everyone is perfect, because guess what, you ain't going to find it, than saying, you know what, let me help build that place. Let me raise my hand and put my apron on and help that place be what Christ wants that place to be. Because there might be a what there there will be a place that I fit in and my my giftedness helps meet that need. And that's the way I want to encourage us to, and that's what, that's what helps build the church. So to help build the congregation, we must raise our hands and put on our bibs and aprons. Now, maybe we ought to do that one Sunday morning. Does everybody come in bibs and aprons? We should have had those to hand out, and everybody put those on. So last couple of things, we'll close out. Here's some core practices of a healthy church member. So if somebody were to ask me, Jake, what would you say to me would be good practices as a church member that wants to grow personally and help the church grow? What would you tell me? What would you say? I would tell you this list of things. Attend regularly. Serve in at least one ministry. Nobody's saying you've got to serve in 15 ministries. Serve in at least one ministry. Read your Bible daily. Pray daily. Invite others. See, every conversation where you, try, you, want, to, you want to help lead somebody to Christ isn't, isn't, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and you're ready to get him baptized right there in five minutes? That's not the way that really works. Sometimes what you ought to do, just invite him to church with you. That's a good start. Let him meet the great people here, okay? Invite others and then to say hello. We need a say hello culture. We have that here. Say it doesn't matter if they're older than you, the age, younger than you, the age is wildly different. It doesn't matter. Say hello. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're not sure if they're a member or visitor. That's okay. That's okay. Nobody's going to get their feelings hurt. They shouldn't. If you're not sure, it's all right. Say hello to them. A say hello culture. Now, all right, so I, I say, I'm saying that clarity about our why, on our next slide, clarity about our why directs us to live out that great commission and that great commandment because of the gospel. So understanding our why, what we're here to do, and what we're about. And, you know, we can get all the doctrinal points just right. And I'm not suggesting we shouldn't. But we can get all those right and still not be on mission. In fact, if we had it all right and weren't doing, living out the great commandment and the great commission, I would say, well, I don't think you have all your doctrinal points right. But it's not about 
can we check every box every time and we're going to evaluate you every time you walk in the door? It's about living as a disciple of Christ and living out the great commandment and the great commission. And everything else follows that. And what's the motivation? Because of the gospel of Jesus. Because I know what Jesus did for me. He died on the cross for my sins. He saved me. So if I would, if I would just turn to him in faith, and, and repent and want to live and dedicate my life to him and follow him and live for him, that's the good news of the gospel because I understand what he did for me and what that means for my life, that now I can have salvation, forgiveness of sins, and a home in heaven eternally. And I believe that, and I want to live like that. I want to live for him because I believe in him. That's the gospel, and then that person then lives out these two things, the great commandment and the great commission. That's what I'm trying to drive at and get us to in, in our message in this, in this uh, series. If we can help you at all this morning, if you need to study, if you need encouragement, if you need prayers, maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, whatever you need. We want you to know we're here for you. You're welcome to come forward now as we together stand and sing.